Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, where I strategize with business owners on how to grow and scale their businesses to hit their income goals. This is episode 337 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today, we're going to be talking about effective speaking skills as a podcast guest, video content creator, or public speaking presentation with Katie Kimball. I am super excited to have Katie back on the podcast. She was originally here with her husband, Chris, who also owns The Blog Fixer. And they had a great conversation about all the tech things that can possibly need to be updated on the back end of your site. We'll link to that in the show notes. But today, we're really going to talk about how we can start to become more effective speakers. Because as you have heard me say time and time again, you have to get in front of your audience six to eight times before they're going to take any sort of action. And one of the fastest, easiest ways to get in front of them is by speaking, whether it is on a podcast with video content or creating a workshop or being part of a summit. You're going to hear us talk about multiple examples of how this can apply to you. I don't want you to hear, oh, the idea of public speaking, it freaks me out and you're just going to turn it off and move on to the next episode. You need to be listening to this episode, no matter what it is that you do, whether you create food content, you're a DIYer, you're a homesteader, homeschooler, whatever it is that you do, I'm telling you this episode is going to be relevant for you. All right, you guys, let's dive in. Hi, Katie. How are you? Hey, Jenny. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I am so excited to talk to you about the topic of effective speaking skills, not only as a person in general, but as a podcast guest, video content creator, and also public speaking. I know that I have a lot of my audience that is really interested in getting themselves seen as an expert. And I think this is one of the best ways that you can potentially do it. Before we actually dive into that, though, will you introduce yourself and your businesses? Sure. It is a plural now. I do have businesses, I guess. Um, So I've been online since 2009. This coming month will be the 14 year, which is crazy. That's like a freshman in high school. That's really kind of an old business, but I still feel like a rookie. Like don't, don't you all online, like everything changes all the time. And I feel like I'm still having rookie status constantly. I hate that. I love it. I love change. I love variety, but sometimes I just want things to be the same for like a year. Right. Uh, So no, I've been teaching families how to stay healthy without going crazy at kitchen stewardship since 2009. So that was my, my first foray online. I was a young mom we were running out of money. The you know the bottom line was red, and it was like, well, do I like babysit? Do I sell pampered chef, or do I write a book? Right. <laughs> I did not. I did not know at the time writing a book is a really terrible way to make money. So luckily, um, I emailed a magazine editor for advice. I don't know why I thought he would have time to answer, but he did, and he said you should start a blog. I did That's not know. Amazing. Yeah, I did not know in 2008 what a blog was. That's how like they how far behind it was. And three months later, I started Kitchen Stewardship and just grew and grew and grew from there until it became our family's full-time income. And my husband was able to have that parachute to leave his corporate job and start his business, The Blog Fixer, which is why you know you and I know each other. 
So then in 2016, we extended out from kitchen stewardship to kids cooking. So that's where Kids Cook Real Food was born. Um, thank goodness it was at the time because between 2016 and now, Google has not been very friendly to natural health websites. So most of my kitchen stewardship income, you know, like we would not exactly have the food on the table that I write about if kitchen stewardship was our one and only. So diversify, diversify, diversify people. Um, Kids Cook Real Food is a much more narrow niche that no one is doing that. And that's always a really good idea to be the only <laughs> in a space. So I'm the best kids cooking teacher online because there's really like no, hardly anybody else doing it. Anyway, we, my team, and I love working with families, helping, you know, we, we share stories all the time in our group chat of like, Hey, like we just heard this from a family, you know, mom got sick and the kids were able to take over, like girls were making a difference. So that's, that's, that's my job. I help families raise independent kids who know how to cook, which is so fun. And then in the last year I've added um, business coaching and speaker coaching because I like telling people what to do. Yes. And you've also run a very successful summit that also, of course, ties in that speaking aspect as well. And I feel like it's becoming more and more popular when we're actually recording in this. It's the month of February. It's February 1st. I know it's not coming out then. And you guys are hearing this a little bit later than that. But that's I just got done doing my first summit and it was so successful and I absolutely loved doing it. And that's how we were able to reconnect again because Blog Fixer was one of our sponsors for IEA. And you were also one of our panelists for IEA. So I appreciate you guys so much. And I just am so excited to talk about this topic because I feel like you have so much expertise when it comes to this. I, you know, I just keep doing right? Like in 14 years, I was like, well, I'll try this. I'll try that. I'll say yes to this or yes to that. You mentioned, you know, my summit. I didn't call it a summit. I called it summer camp, but we ran it summer style. We had, um, we did a life skills now summer camp kind of blew out from the cooking to all of life skills. I had 50 content creators, 65 workshops, 26,000 attendees in a week. It was out of this world. Incredible. So we are working on season two right now, you know, six months in advance. Yes. Amazing. All right. So let's start kind of smaller and then we're going to work our way out from there. How can we develop effective speaking skills? Because I know that some people will say, I don't have the confidence for this. Yeah. Just say yes and do it. I mean, that's the thing is the, the only way, the only way to get better at something is to fail forward. <laughs> is to just assume, assume you'll stink. My, uh, my third child, John, he's a sixth grader and he decided to try swimming this year on the middle school swim team, right? None of our family has ever done that. We were like, cool, like way to try something new. And I'm taking him to the first practice and my heart is beating. And I'm thinking in my head, like, please let this be better than horrible, right? Like, right. please don't let him hate it. And so I told him, because he wasn't, he was nervous too. He said, I don't know if I'm going to be very good. I've never, you know, I just swim for fun in the summer. I said, just go into it, John, assuming you'll stink, <laughs> like assume right. you'll stink. And that the best thing you can do is to get a little better every day. Now, John has had a great experience for two weeks on the middle school swim team. And that's my exact same advice for a blogger, an online content creator is just assume you'll stink the first time set the bar really low and and try it, go with it, right? We have so many opportunities now online to speak in front of people, right? Like 20 years ago, if you, if you had to practice speaking, you like had to find somewhere to go. You stumble around and you fail forward. 
the, you know, on Instagram who are consistently doing stories, who are, you know, consistently doing lives, they get so much better so quickly. Like you can feel it. You can feel them getting more poise, more confidence. You can feel the fact that they're starting to learn like how to structure, right? So if you're, if you're just going to flick that camera on and do an Instagram live or a Facebook live, what I would recommend is just writing a couple talking points, plan the first thing you're going to say, plan the last thing you're going to say. And I have a story about that and plan one to three, no more than three talking points. And then you are organized. Your audience feels that organization. They have folders in their head, especially if you can say, I'm going to tell you three tips, this, this, and this. Then you unpack the tips. The audience now has these three folders in their head in which to put the information. They're going to remember it better. And then at the end, you recap your three tips, figure out how you'll close, right? That's your, (laughs) that's your last impression. First impressions are important, but last impressions are too. And if you're the, a person who's on the the call and you're going, well, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I'm done. That's, that's, those, those are my three tips. Okay, everyone. Well, see you later. Like we close and we reclose and we triple close. Don't do that. <laughs> right. Figure out what to say at the end. And if you don't know what to say, pull the TV reporter thing and just say, I'm Katie Kimball from Kids Cook Real Food. See you next time. Right. Like just cut it off, <laughs> be, be introduce, reintroduce yourself and be done. Yes. No, I love those. So there are so many pieces to unpack right there with what you just said. I think from the very beginning, when you were talking about the idea of just do it, right? It's that idea that some people believe we're born with confidence, but in reality, it's kind of like a muscle. I talk about this in my book that you have to be able to work that muscle of being confident. And the only way you can do that is by practicing. And I love the way that you talk about failing forward because it is, it's such a huge piece of how you learn all those little failures are how you're going to get there faster to become the person or business that you want to be in the end anyways. Um, And just even your little strategies of being able to, you know, have those talking points, know what your call to action would be that close that it could potentially be at the end, right? So God. So what are some examples of experience Effective speaking skills in our industry. Where can we normally see them? Well, that's where my other tip for you would be watch watch other people, right? Like just think about who you love to listen to. Think about the people who either A, entertain you the best. You just grin when you turn on their podcast or their Instagram or whatever. Or B, who do you learn from the most? Who do you realize that their voice is in your head that week? So I can give you some names, but what's more important is that you find those people in your life and then deconstruct them, right? Do not listen to that speaker as their audience member. Listen to that speaker as if you're in a college class, right? And deconstruct. How did that speaker open? How many stories did they tell? Did they use people's names in those stories, right? Um, So like, I love listening to Pat Flynn. He's great. What, what are Pat Flynn's strengths? Well, he's super humble, right? He's the everyman. He tells stories about the bands he liked in college. He knows how to connect with, with people by telling stories and just by being super genuine. Now, if you listen to Pat Flynn from 10 years ago, that's always an interesting thing too. flip on a 10 year old podcast. And then one now, like you can feel how he's gotten better again by deconstructing what he does. Um, Bo Eason is a great speaker, maybe not as familiar to people. Taylor Conroy is another great speaker, 
part of what they do well is they ooze confidence. They really do. You do not have to be confident to ooze confidence. Okay. The other, the other day I got a chance to go in. Uh, my oldest son is Prince Charming in Cinderella this, this winter. I know. <laughs> so funny. And, um, I got to go in and do what they called it a masterclass, which felt like um, I'm not pre- I'm not prepared. I'm not confident enough to ha- give a masterclass. Like I just want to help the kids do a little better. So I got to spend an hour with the leads, and um, I told Paul when we got home, I said I was so nervous when I got there because I like there's a lot going on in life right now. I'd had a crazy day. I hadn't really prepared by reading the script for more than ten minutes. And I got there and I'm like, oh my gosh, all these kids are going to be hoping that I can help them be better actors and actresses. And I just feel like like a melting puddle. I was so nervous. I could hear it in my voice, but he couldn't. I was like shaking. But I just had to pretend that I knew what I was doing. Like freaking pretend you know what you're doing. And guess what? You will lose confidence even if you don't. So that's, I mean, fail forward. Expect yourself to suck, but act like you're A plus. Right. Yes. And it shows. No, absolutely. I think it's funny that you brought up your son. He's a middle schooler. Is that right? No, this one's my senior in high school. This is oh, my oldest. even worse. Okay. Cause they know it all. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, because as you change audiences, being that former teacher, I was always very comfortable with elementary school kids. If you made me go to a middle school, it was, and now I have a middle schooler. It is a very different audience. And it does, it starts over, which is why I wanted to make sure that we really started to talk about in this episode, the idea of podcast, but guest video content, and also potentially speaker presentations live, and then also speaker presentations as far as the summit. So let's start with podcast guests. Are there different speaking skills for podcast guests as compared to public speaking presentations? I do think so. Yes. So and and podcast, it's far easier. It's easier and it's harder, right? Because in a podcast, you don't get to make eye contact with the audience. You don't get to use your physicality. But if if you're not well versed in using your physicality, that's a benefit, right? So right now I can easily like twist my hands, turn my wedding ring nervously under the desk. You can't see it. This isn't video anyway. No one can hear that. So I totally move my body differently on a podcast. On the other hand, there are some things that should be the same, even with your body, right? So like I'm standing up right now, we're doing a podcast. There's no reason I have to stand up except that I know that's going to make me sound more energetic. That's going to make me project a little better. And it's just going to sound better on the podcast. You know, people will say, um, especially if you're doing a really important recording, like you're recording, you know, maybe it's a, an invite, like a marketing spiel for your next challenge. And it's 60 seconds and you got to like bring the energy that you should like jump up and down on a little trampoline or do some jumping jacks, like actually get your heart rate up um, and and do there's speaking exercises you can do too, to warm up your voice, to warm up your face, to warm up your body. I would recommend doing those no matter where you're speaking, especially when you're new, just to make sure that you have the energy there. Um And so that's, you know, that's the same and that's different. Podcasts obviously are much more conversational. We're going to roll with, I need to roll with what you say, even if I have an agenda, even if I have my notes, you know, I might have my stories chosen. So I would say on a podcast, your brain is more engaged, I think, because I have a podcast too. And I love doing the interviews and I'm always like 
my my brain, I don't even know. Imagine there's like claws <laughs> coming out where I'm like holding on to every thought and trying to like radically quickly reorganize them so that I can ask the next best question of my guest. And as a guest, it's the same thing. You know, how am I going to answer this question? Well, draw it to a close without saying, well, um, oh, okay. You know, I don't want to do that on a podcast either. And then, and then listen to your next question, whether it's the one on the list in front of our eyeballs or not answer it. Well, you know what I mean? So like, so the podcast, because I don't know what you're going to do, my brain needs to be really engaged, right? So you've got to be ready for that when you're on stage, or if you're doing a presentation where like you're in charge and it's, it's structured, it's scripted. Well, now you, your brain needs to just be engaged on walking down that path that you have already structured. So there's much more preparation in, right. And making that, that scripted presentation perfect and using the perfect words, the perfect stories, making everything flow together. Um, so that's, you know, there's so much, there's so much that goes into speaking. There's your content. You've got to have something to say, guys, you got to have something you're super passionate about and in a really organized way with a beginning, middle and end. And then there's your, your physicality and there's your voice. You know, I'm making a lot of facial expressions, even though the people out there can't see them. But when I smile, you can hear that right in the, in the recording even though it's, I'm just in someone's earbud right now. So yes, lots of different things. Um, but they're all, they're all like in one bucket. I would really recommend that people like do it all, you know? Yes. And obviously if you have slides that I would say, if you're doing something with slides, practice the tech people. Okay. There's nothing more annoying to me than if I'm watching a speaker who is supposed to be a professional and they're going, um, well, where's the, I'm sorry. Um, where's the share slides? Just a second. Oops. I'm on the wrong slide. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> that is not okay with me. Like you need to be the quickest with your mouse and your keyboard commands and know exactly where your tech is. Um, and if you don't obviously be humble about it, right. Talk through it, be ready for that. Um, I coach, I coach TEDx speakers and I will coach them on being ready to make a mistake and being ready to respond to the audience. So for example, if you've got a timed talk, you may need to have a section toward the end that you can drop if you're accidentally going really slowly. So like I did a five minute speaking competition and I knew like literally they said they would buzz you if you went over five minutes. <laughs> Terrifying in front right. of a live audience, right? And mine was, oh, it was like four minutes, 52 seconds. <laughs> so better to leave yourself more wiggle room than that. But I knew, I mean, I had it so down, but I also had a ditch point where I knew I had to be saying this exact sentence by four minutes, 20 seconds. And if I wasn't, the next two sentences had to drop and my talk would still make sense. Like that is next level, right? That is, that is preparing for the worst, but you know what? I would have been ready. I would have been ready. And so that's the kind of thing you want to coach your speakers or you want to be ready for. Like, what if you're on a real stage and your slides don't work? What if you're on a Zoom call and your slides don't work? You want to think about that in advance, right? When you're laying in bed at night and having insomnia, you make your oh crap plan because that's way better than laying in bed at night after it's happened and thinking, oh crap, that went terribly. I wasn't prepared, right? One of my TEDx speakers um, had this great line. Her, her daughter went through a, a terrible illness and got through it and wrote a book about it. And so she has this amazing line where she says, I helped my daughter write a book. It's called My Hospital Story by Nell Choi. And one time I'm coaching her and I said, oh my gosh, 
Maggie, you're going to get applause like crazy right there. I just realized like, like no doubt, right? The audience was going to respond to that. I said, you need to be ready. And I coached her to just stand humbly to kind of like look around, nod her head in thanks and wait for the applause to be over before she went on. And she did her TEDx and she immediately messaged me. She said, oh my gosh, you were right. And I would not have been prepared had we not thought about that. Because when you, you have that memory, a TEDx is a memorized speech because you have exactly X number of minutes. When you have that memorized speech, sometimes you're not ready to respond to the audience like we were talking about with the podcast. And so had I not mentioned that to her, she would have probably barreled through and messed up the moment. But she was ready and she did it perfectly. So think about all those contingency plans when you're doing live. And well, here's that's the thing too, Jenny. If someone is unconfident, don't do live. Do do some recordings where you can edit out your crap. (laughs) You can edit out your mistakes and get really good at talking to the boring camera, right? Yes. And I think part of the reason that some people will start with live is because they think it's the easiest tech side, right? It's really simple to go live on Instagram, really simple to go live on Facebook, but it is the most nerve wracking piece of it. I think if you can take a step back and think about, let me just try to be a podcast guest. Let's start there. Then I don't have to know the tech. There's no tech for me. It's just conversations that we're having or use Zoom or some form of being able to share your screen with slides and do a talking head presentation like that, that you can then use as a workshop or a way to get people onto your list or in part of your funnel. I think people skip steps because they get overwhelmed by the tech side of things when we really don't need to. We need to just start, like we said in the beginning, and test it and see what we're comfortable with and build into different areas. So let's talk a little bit about video content. What speaking skills work best for video content creators? Because I think when we think video content, like we're talking workshops with Zoom and presentations, right? But video content, as far as my bloggers and my influencers, they're thinking reels, TikToks, all of these things that are really... We're talking fast and having to know exactly what you're going to say with it. Well, the good thing about a reel or a TikTok is that you can screw up 50 times and the only loss is your time, right? Your minutes. Um, So I would say, you know, yes, going live is the easiest. There's no editing. You do it. You get on, you're done. Keep in mind, you can always delete that live, you know, if you're so embarrassed about it. So I would say, you know, do the lives because you got to get that practice in and that practice is going to help you do better with that quick, quick content like reels, you know, obviously a reel or a TikTok, you got to plan out exactly what you're going to say, you know, and exactly what the captions will be. So make a good storyboard for those. Practice it once or twice before you turn the camera on so that it's a little bit more natural. And then realize that you can, I mean, especially on a reel, right? You're probably filming five seconds at a time. Film it three times, watch it, get to know yourself. Um, For sure, the best tip for making video content is to watch yourself. Because you may think you look a certain way and it is not until you can even do it in a mirror. There is nothing like seeing yourself in the frame, right? So like when I was doing my first TEDx, it actually got canceled because of 2020. And I filmed it myself on a stage. And the, one of the three cameras died that first filming. So we had to redo it two weeks later. Every, like Jenny, everything went wrong with that. It's a story and a half. But my point is when I watched the first filming, I realized that the power stance 
that I'd been taught by Bo Eason with the legs spread and the feet rooted. And, I, you know, I'm not rocking, so I don't look unconfident. Power stance. That looks terrible in a pencil skirt. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> the lines aren't right because the right. Skirts, my skirt was straight and narrow down to my knees. And then my legs are sticking out with the feet at the bottom. Um, it looked absolutely terrible in the wide shot. So I thought, oh, women wearing that style skirt need a different power pose. I had to put my feet together. Never, And I had done this in front of mirrors. Like I had video recorded myself, but not on the stage. So there's, you see so much more when you watch yourself back. When you're doing video content, the thing that a lot of people get wrong, especially on Zoom, is not looking at the boring circle. Right. Okay. Especially on Zoom, especially if you're sharing slides and stuff, people are looking everywhere, but at the one place that makes it look like you're making eye contact with the audience because it doesn't feel like you're making eye contact with the audience. Right. So I am right. staring right now into the boring circle of my webcam. And I've trained myself to do, I've trained myself to do that so much so that I happen to have two cameras and the one that I use less often. If I switch to that one, I tend to automatically look at the other one and people will say, you're not, you don't have good eye contact. I'm like, yes, I do. I just screwed up the camera. Right. Um, but so that is, that is a training. Like you have to train yourself to look at the camera. And there are other little things you can do again with your body. Like when you think about reels, if you're making, let's say three points, right. And you're using your hands to say, all right, we're going to do this, then this, then this, and you're moving your hands in a back to, you know, side to side motion. We read right to left. So when we speak, we tend to move our bodies. I'm sorry. We don't read right to left. <laughs> we read left to right. This is where I like, I'm, I'm undoing my training. We read left to right. We tend to move our bodies left to right. But then when people are watching you, it's right to left. Right. So the best thing you can do for your audience is train yourself to move right to left so that it looks left to right. No one will ever notice that. They won't be able to say it, but it's just an ease on the brain. It's easier on their brain to watch you move in the direction that they would read but you have to you have to train yourself to do that just like you train yourself to stare at the circle just like you train yourself to mess up and start over and edit <laughs> yes oh my goodness yes so what is the biggest mistake made when trying to have effective speaking skills would you say this was a hard question for me <laughs> i don't know cuz i make so many mistakes but i think most of the time when when you see people that don't quite feel authentic or if I have made mistakes, it's generally because I'm trying to fit myself completely into someone else's mold mm -hmm. or completely into someone else's template without thinking cognizantly about it um, or having too many cooks in the kitchen, right? Like I, this speaker coach has this template and this speaker coach has this template and you try to kind of mash them all together. Um, so I think when you're planning out what you're going to do, sure, listen to the experts but you're the boss. It's got to be your gut making the final decisions on what your audience will love. Uh, most of the time, the audience loves things that surprise you. And so I guess that would be the other mistake is not trying enough stuff, right? If you put five reels out there, the chance that one of them is going to go crazy is very, very low. If you put a hundred reels out there, the chance that you strike gold vastly increases, right? Because we sometimes we just don't know. Usually, most of the stuff that I put my most time into that I think will go amazing goes fine. 
<laughs> and the things that go amazing are the surprises that just hit right. Yes. And it's looking at those to see what it is. What are the, what's the data telling you, right? We talk so much about, we want to be the creatives, but we have to be able to look at the data and let it show us what is actually effective for our audiences. So I think that piece is always, we don't like to hone in on that, but we need to. (laughs) And you know what? You can look at data in a really right-brained way, in a really creative way, because data doesn't have to necessarily be numbers, you know, like especially Instagram reels, right? You, that's very easy to look at the number of views. <laughs> you can quickly see the big ones. But when you talk about digging into data, it's like, okay, here are my two reels that were the best. What makes those better? Right. You know, really trying to deconstruct and read the audience's mind, which is very intuitive and it's very right brain and it's very creative about, you know, what made it best. Um, and I would think the last mistake I do have to say is if when people get either too salesy, too pitchy, or they get too nervous about doing the pitch. There's mm-hmm. nothing more uncomfortable than watching someone confidently present a you know 45 minute long webinar, amazing information. Everyone's hanging on their every word, and then you feel their energy shift and their nerves go up when they shift into the pitch because they're nervous about selling. It, it just, I mean, it just wrecks the entire presentation. Ladies, mostly ladies, right? out there, if you have something to sell, I know that you are probably a heart-centered entrepreneur. That something is not just a snake oil product that you're trying to get money from. That's something will change someone's life for the better or change someone's business for the better. So doggone it. Be confident about it that you are not, you know, some frail little flower asking for charity money. Right. You are a confident person selling something that will improve their life. And you have just as much right to confidently present that as you did the three or five or seven amazing points in the rest of your webinar that people were madly taking notes on, okay? I want them madly taking notes, even on your pitch, right? You don't have to do a pitch like the big bro marketers with all the dollar signs and stuff. You can do a story selling pitch where you tell people about your product in a way that allows them to continue learning, right? So when I do my pitch on a webinar, I say, listen, I'm gonna tell you guys how to start working with your kids at a couple different ages. This is what we do in my course, but whether you get to work with me or not, you can still use some of these ideas in your home, right? So it's very humble. I always say, whether whether we get to work together or not, whether you become a member or not, you're still going to learn. And so I am giving a tour of my course. I'm story selling, but I'm also continuing to teach. And so if you're nervous about pitching, figure out a way to pitch humbly yet confidently. Yes. No. So good. And just remembering that if you don't put it out there, you're being selfish to your audience because you do have a problem. You know how to solve their problem. So by not putting it out there, you're being selfish. So Katie, tell me about your practical entrepreneur guide that will give us more time to actually spend on honing our speaking skills because we're not in the nitty gritty of our business. Yeah. I mean, how many days do we go through where we get to the end of the day and we've just tackled little to-do list items? Right. It's hard. It can be really hard to find time to dig in and plan content and have that brain, you know, that brain space available or to film content, especially like with me, I film content with kids and food. (laughs) That takes a lot of planning. I I don't get to just walk into my kitchen and, you know, flip on the camera, which is why sometimes I love doing stuff here at my computer with my blank wall behind me where no one can make a mess. (laughs) So we do. We need, we need to open up our brain space and learn to delegate. So in the 14 years I've been an entrepreneur, that's been one of the many pieces of my journey where I can look back at very specific steps where I have gotten better and better at delegating 
better Mm -hmm. at not only letting go of my own control, but training other people to do their job for me better. So one of the things I do is I delegate my email to um, a VA, to my EA, my executive assistant. And so this guide is just some step-by-step processes that you can go through to learn how to delegate your own email. Yes. No. And those are so important. And I'm sure having to have SOPs and systems in place are a big piece of being able to do that. And I want to make sure that my audience absolutely make sure that they go and grab that. Because I know that you obviously are running more than one business. You are also a mom. You have a lot of things going on at home. Um, And I just want to... I appreciate you for taking the time to speak with my audience and offering your free guide that you have. So thank you. You're very welcome. It was fun. Of course. All right. I'm hoping by now you have multiple ideas of how you can improve your speaking, whether it's going to be as a podcast, guest, video content, or even a public speaking presentation. So whether you're wanting to speak in person or you're wanting to speak at a virtual summit, there are so many ways for you to be able to elevate what it is that you do for your audience by being seen as an expert and acting like an expert by effectively public speaking. I want to make sure that if you didn't already go grab the guide that Katie offered that you do so. I also want to thank you all so much for those of you that have left a podcast review. It helps for me to continue to get great guests, not only for the podcast, but also speaking at our summits. So I hope that if you haven't already, you will take the time to leave one. And as always, I will see you all next time. 